This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. While maxing out my 401k wasn't absolutely necessary to meet our family financial goals, it has allowed me to relax more, work less, and rest easy knowing that one important box has been checked. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, I'll be sharing how maxing out my 401k at work helped me become a millionaire. Second, we're back with our Be the Change segment. This month, we're going to be featuring nonprofit SIFMA Foundation. They are the nation's leader in youth investor and financial education. Melanie Mortimer, who is the group's president, will be discussing their premier financial literacy offering, the stock market game, and how it supports our nation's youth. And last but not least, we're back with another money quiz with my daughter, Zoe. She's going to be reading the review of the month, and I'm going to be quizzing her on some fun money questions. We're going to test that knowledge of hers, and hopefully you all can play along with us as well. All right, let's jump into today's show. About a decade ago, I started a new job with excellent pay and excellent benefits. My salary was around $160,000, and the company matched 15% of my 401k contributions. After learning about the magical powers of compound interest over time, I decided that I was going to max out my 401k each year. This would require my family to live on a little bit less, but the long-term benefits were hard to pass up. Eventually, I decided to leave that job after around six years of employment. Evidently, the pull of creating family finance content online was just too strong for me to deny. (laughs) At that time, I walked away with $178,000 in my workplace 401k. Yeah, That decision to max out my 401k for only six years pushed our family to become millionaires in our 30s that year. These simple 401k actions, they were something that I completely ignored when I got my first job. I used to say things like, retirement, future, nah, I'm in my 20s, I don't need to worry about that, man. I wish that I would have at least contributed to my 401k up to the employer match right from the start of my career. That way, even if I didn't contribute the max to my 401k, I would be taking full advantage of this common employee benefit. 401k matching often gets forgotten, but it can be a powerful tool in building long-term wealth. Here's the loose calculation of the free money that I received from my employer during those six years. Year one, I got $2,625. Year two, three, four, I got $2,700 each year. And then in year five, I got $2,775. And then in year six, 
six, I got $2,850. The total 401k match from my employer during those six years was $16,350. That's $16,350 of free money that my employer gave me just for contributing to my future retirement. Now, while I had made a lot more working than my investments made during my employment, I definitely worked a lot harder for it. I spent so many hours and hours selling and presenting and networking and emailing and traveling. Oh, and did I say emailing? Emailing. Too many emails. <laughs> the beauty with investing and utilizing automation is that once you set it up, there's not a lot of work you have to do after. You set it up, and you relax, knowing that your investments will soon start making money for you. I sought out index funds to keep my fees low and my diversification broad. I set my investment amount to max out my 401k for the year, and then I hit go. Throughout the year, I did nothing to my investments. I didn't panic sell when the market got bad or try to time the market to maximize my returns. I just let automation do its thing and saw how dollar cost averaging rewarded that patience over time. This gave me more time to focus on my career growth, my family, and my health. Now, I know not all 401k plans are made equal. In fact, some of them are so laden with fees that it makes it hard to grow your nest egg. While on my 401k building journey, I used Empower's Fee Analyzer tool. It helped me to understand the fees associated with my 401k and areas where I could save. And the best part of all is the tool is free, which makes it a lovely price. In looking at that tool, it was amazing to see how much fees can really eat into your returns. With just 0.85% of fund fees paid each year, you could lose up to $140,000 in returns over the lifetime of your investment. This could be like two years of your retirement lost just from fees. Luckily, the investment options available through my employer had fairly low fees, which was great. But understanding the impact of those fees made me more knowledgeable as I continued investing after my employment ended. Now, when you start investing for the first time, your balance may feel small and insignificant. This is especially true when you're shooting for a seven-figure retirement number, which actually looking at it, a lot of us might have to do. But over a long enough period of time, your balance will start to really grow. That is, if you keep your fees low, you take advantage of 401k matching and consistently contribute to your account. At least that's how things worked out for me. Here's the overall growth of my 401k during that specific time frame and where it has the potential to grow in the future. So year one, when I started, I was, uh, what was I, 31 years old. I had $21,000 in year one. Year two, it got up to $38,000. In year three, $67,000. Year four, $105,000. Year five, $125,000. And then year six, when I decided to leave my employer, it was $178,000, just six years. And then after I left, the year after, it went up to $213,000. That's year seven. Year eight, $258,000. Now let's talk about where it could grow in the future. So if we're looking at, call it year 20, 20 years after I started this 401k, I'd be 51 years old, right? 
This assumes a 7% real rate of return and no further contributions. So in year 20, I should have $581,000. This is by the time I am 51 years old. Year 30, $1,143,000 by the time I'm 61. And then year 40, by the time I'm 71, $2,248,000. As you can see, the balance really adds up over time. And when I'm much older and really need the income to live on, it should be plenty given our comfortable standard of living today. If you have a healthy income and the ability to max out your 401k, it could really help you get a big head start on your retirement goals. Taking advantage of these moves when you have decades and decades before retirement can make them even more powerful. Now, while maxing out my 401k wasn't absolutely necessary to meet our family financial goals, it has allowed me to relax more, work less, and rest easy, knowing that one important box has been checked. Well, enough from my side, everyone. I want to hear from you. What do you think about maxing out your 401k? Is this something you have considered doing at work? Or maybe you've already been doing this. Please let me know by sharing this episode on your social media accounts and tagging me on Instagram or Facebook at Marriage Kids and Money or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. I'd love to keep the conversation going, everyone. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up, 
the code is valid until April 19th, 2024. slash tele. For our Be The Change segment this month, we are featuring SIFMA Foundation, the nation's leader in youth investor and financial education. I've invited the president of SIFMA Foundation, Melanie Mortimer, on the show today. We're going to discuss the importance of financial literacy for kids and what SIFMA Foundation is doing to help. Welcome to the show, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for being here and thank you for dedicating your time and energy to this important conversation. Really, what is the state of financial literacy in our country, Melanie? Please educate us. The state of financial education in this country, unfortunately, is not where it should be. About 75% of American teens lack confidence in their knowledge of personal finance, and that's about equivalent with their actual knowledge and overall preparedness to lead successful financial lives. How does the lack of education impact just the overall wealth gap that we have in our country? Fortunately, you know, we're, we're all going to lead a financial life. It's 100% inevitable in this country, in this world. And unless you have the tools, resources, and basic understanding of how to navigate a financial life, the likelihood of being successful is very slim. And so it's not a question as to how there are so many people in this country living paycheck to paycheck, so many who are burdened with debt. Credit cards are you know, clearly helping them to buy the things they want, but not pay for the things they want. And then ultimately the rate of savings or even emergency fund preparedness is not what it needs to be for the individuals in this country to live healthy lives, period. Is there just too much of a financial incentive toward industries and governments in general to continue our consumeristic ways as opposed to educating people to move toward a brighter future? Well, we definitely have a lot of messages that come into how we make decisions. And now with social media, hearsay, chatter, conversation can take a whole host of form, shape, sizes, you know, from dating to to spending or saving your money to what kind of food you should be eating. And a lot of it gets directed in ways that allow us not to think through the implications of what we're doing. So, yeah, there's a big commercial influence. There's a big influence of messaging that we're getting from all of the media that we consume in our lives. But on the other hand, that also opens the door for information to be available. And when you think about the Internet, for example, as a gateway to promulgating these, you know, media driven, commercial driven messages. It's also a source of accessing new forms of wealth building. You know, it used to be that you had to know someone who knew someone who knew a broker to be able to even begin to talk about a financial life in the world of investing. Now you type in a URL and there you are. 
I love that. That is the beauty and I guess the downfall of the internet, right? There's mass amount of information. And I believe, I guess, it's incumbent on us to continue to put forth positive messages of financial education and financial literacy out there. So Melanie, tell us about the SIFMA Foundation and what your programs are. The SIFMA Foundation is dedicated to bringing financial education to youth of all backgrounds and help them lead better financial life outcomes. We work in every school district across the country. We've reached 22 million youth in our 45-year history, and we do this through a portfolio of programs that engage young people in learning through experiential opportunities, such as the stock market game. The stock market game is a tool that teachers use in 15,000 schools across the country and they invite their students to get into teams and manage a hypothetical $100,000 portfolio across stocks, bonds, mutual funds, impact investments, ETFs, you name it. It's really a way for them to explore the financial markets in a safe space and begin to understand the power of research and planning in their own potential future investment lives. That's a great way to get it into the school system. Now, talk to me about how your programs are interfused, I'm not even sure that's a word, with what's <laughs> happening with the legislation in our country right now where personal finance courses and classes are becoming a requirement. Now, are you partnering with the states and saying, hey, we've got the material for you to use, or are they creating their own material? How does that work? Yeah, everywhere that we can be relevant and helpful to advancing youth financial education, that's where we want to be. And there are lots of groups that uh, band together across the sectors to help advance youth financial education, working with local state legislators, state decision makers, also working at the federal level. Uh, Jumpstart Coalition is uh, one such organization, and we support the work that they do. But also, you know, once that legislation is enacted, then how do you implement? Mm -hmm. And the stock market game has been around for 22 years. Something that we've recognized over this time is that it's not enough just to have information for young people. It really has to be engaging. It has to be so engaging that teachers will put aside some of their other classroom tools and decide to embed personal finance within the curriculum. And in the 17 or so states that actually require financial education for graduation, we want to ensure that teachers who you know, may have been coaching baseball and teaching science, who are now given this new course called personal finance, can quickly get up to speed. And so creating turnkey tools for those individuals really becomes a critical part of, of success. I understand that, especially from an educator standpoint. There's a lot of times I've been doing this show over the past seven years where I feel like, am I teaching something that I really, really know about? But when you have people who've done it before, sources, materials, people who've researched the data, looking into actually successful examples of how this can go, you gain that confidence, right? You gain that ability to teach publicly and help people along the way. So I love what you guys are doing. You've talked about the stock market game being around for 22 years. Can you talk about some real life examples of individuals, youth, young adults that have been impacted by your educational materials that have had maybe a better result because of it? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we hear these stories every day. We hear them from teachers. We hear them from parents. We hear them from the students themselves who get in touch and say, you know, I remember when I was in school and I learned that the rule of 72, I, I learned about the impact of compounding on investing could help me navigate my future goals. And here I am 20 years later and I'm, I'm actually working in a job that is in the financial industry, and I never thought I would be here. We also hear from young people who are not in the financial industry, but whose lives have been changed. They go and they help their families figure out how to begin investing or how to begin planning long term. We get phone calls from parents that say, you know, my, my child used to come home and run up the stairs and close the door and we wouldn't see him till dinner. Now he comes in, he turns on the news, he's watching the financial news, <laughs> he's having better conversations with his grandfather, who they never really had a lot in common with before. And we hear from schools, we are working with a school in Crown Heights in Brooklyn, and we were just there a couple weeks ago, but there is a a process of saving in the local Caribbean community, which is really just the whole family participates and they take a little and put it away and put it away and put it away and accumulate enough to save towards a particular family goal. And, you know, today it may be, you know, Brother John, tomorrow it may be Sister Susie, whatever it is, the family pools together their money to save for that. And so the students who are going through our programs there are actually taking the learning home. And so they're helping their families understand not just how to save well, but how to grow that money through financial markets, through other tools that are available to those families. And, and so I think one of the most inspiring aspects of this work is when we see the, the ripple effect of equipping young people, especially in the immigrant community here in the United States, where there are often language barriers for the parents and the, the children are learning in school, they have the ability to go home and kind of reconnect the families in ways that no other type of external service or provider could possibly achieve because of that that depth of trust. That's how generational wealth is built. That's how family legacy wealth is built. I think that's fantastic. Melanie, if you were to look five years in the future as things start to evolve in our country, maybe there's some more growth in financial literacy requirements. Where do you see success for SIFMA Foundation? Certainly in growing our reach. We currently reach 600,000 youth per year, and we're looking to build that to a million and then beyond to six million, we hope. And in the meantime, we're continuing to develop resources that equip teachers to feel confident about talking about personal finance and investing. We're also working more closely with youth serving nonprofits. And that means if you don't have a credentialed teacher, it means helping to provide autonomous turnkey programming that is just as engaging as the stock market game and our other programs have been, but in a way that allows self-learning through 
autonomous curriculums delivery systems. So we're, we're working on that for the future, and we're actually going to incubate it in a summer camp this year. We also have developed a new tool called SMG InvestQuest. And so where the stock market game can be as long as a semester or a year of school, SMG InvestQuest or SMG IQ, which is on our, our website, is a 30-minute activity and you get a sort of five-year span of investing experience where we're really reinforcing long-term planning, diversification, asset allocation. It's a fun tool. Parents and children can use it. You just go in and try it out. And uh, so we want to continue to grow in that space as well of, of the you know instant, easily available, autonomous education. We know not every student's going to get it in school. We know every child is not going to get financial education at home. Our goal is to be in all those places where access may be encumbered. And I think that if we're able to do that, we can ensure our vision of every child having a shot at a successful, positive financial life in spite of circumstances may be able to come real. I love that, Melanie. Thank you so much for being here today. Tell people where they can connect with you, maybe if they want to give their their money, their time, or their voice to your organization. Sigma Foundation has a variety of tools available to the public, and also the ability to contribute to our work is all available at www.stockmarketgame.org. We also have a Sigma Foundation website, but it's one-stop shopping at the stockmarketgame.org website. And we encourage everyone to help bring financial education to the next generation, whether it's your own children, it's individuals you're volunteering with, it's community centers or schools in your local community. We're there to be a resource, and we would love nothing more than to engage your audience in taking part in that program. Melanie, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for inspiring us on how you can be the change you want to see in our community, our country, and the world. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. To keep this show running and to help your buddy Andy smile, I'd like to ask you to do one quick thing to support the show. If you like the show, please leave us a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That type of feedback helps more people to find and consider this family-empowering podcast, award-winning family-empowering podcast, by the way. To encourage you to leave a review each month, we do a book giveaway from a past podcast guest, which makes it fun. So we received five reviews since our last book giveaway offer. This quarter, we're giving away three different book options from those past podcast guests. We've got Make Space for Happiness by Tracy McCubbin, Money and Love, An Intelligent Roadmap to Life's Biggest Decisions by Abby Davison, and Just Keep Buying by Nick Majuli. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my daughter, Zoe Hill, here. What's up, Zoe Hill? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing at all? Nothing Nothing special? How are you? I'm good. Are you yeah. feeling good? Yes. Is your life good? Yes. Are you having a good summer? Yes. A very good summer. What's making this summer great? Camp. Camp. Well, we're actually going to get into camp a little bit today in our money quiz. So let's start that money quiz before our review. Ready? Money quiz. Bam, bam. Zoe, let's start right away with question number one. 
Summer camps. You like those. They're huge in the United States. They're huge in this country, though. How many kids attend summer camp each year? Is it A, 60,000 kids? Is it B, 600,000 kids? Or is it C, 6 million kids? C? It's C. Congratulations. (laughs) 6 million kids attend summer camp. Question number two. Zoe, your mom and I have been investing for you to go to college since you were a little baby. You came out and we started investing so you could go to college in the future. Now, by the time you go to college, it's going to cost a lot of money due to what's called inflation, the constant increase of price over time. Today, the total cost for you to go to Michigan State, mommy and daddy's alma mater, all the tuition, the fees, and your place to live there, it's around $105,000. What do you think the cost will be by the time you go there in seven years, if you go to Michigan State in seven years? What do you think? Is it A, $120,000? Is it B, $160,000? Or C, $1 million? Mm, I'm going to say B. B is correct. It's going to be $160,000 for you to go to Michigan State. Oh, my gosh. Uh, In uh, about seven years' time. Wow. Mommy and I better continue saving for that fun day. And we'll uh, work with you to, you know, like uh, do some work in high school and college and fill out scholarships and all sorts of stuff like that. All right. Question number three. Zoe, we've seen a lot of great movies this year. But which movie has the highest opening weekend sales so far this year? Is it A, Super Mario Brothers, the movie? B, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? C, Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Or D, Barbie? I'm going to go with D. You are correct. <laughs> Barbie blew all away. I think it's $160 million in their first weekend. It just came out. And guess which movie you're about to go see in about 30 minutes. I'm literally going to go see the Barbie movie. Yay! Just so you know. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Yeah. They're kicking butt this year. What are you excited about with seeing the Barbie movie? I haven't. I did watch Barbie when I was a kid. Yeah? I don't know. But then... I just want to see it. You want to see it? Cool. Yeah, it looks funny. It looks like it's going to be pretty funny. And you're going to see it with some friends, right? Yeah, I am. Awesome. Well, that should be a good time. Why don't we wrap up this podcast so I can take you to the movies, huh? Sound good? Let's do our review. So can you ask Mr. Google or Mrs. Google to pick a number between one and five? Hey, Google, pick a number between one and five. Here's a random number, five. Okay, well, our fifth Review came in from Philip from Spotify. Actually, Spotify, you just like do the stars, but Philip took a picture of it and sent it to us and, and left these nice words on an email. My wife and kids are very important to me, and you are the only podcaster that seems to truly understand that. Our money has changed for the better and as well as our mindset with our time, and I can't thank you enough for that. I have bought a few people's books via guests of the show, but would love a stab at one free one. <laughs> Thanks again. Awesome. Well, Philip, you've got your your wish because we're going to send you a free book. And thank you, Zoe, for reading that review. And thank you, Philip, for leaving this awesome review. So I'm going to shoot you an email after this and ask you which of those three books you are interested in grabbing. 
And yeah, keep that learning going. And everyone, if you want to be like Philip and receive a free book and have Zoe read your awesome review, then you should leave a review for this podcast in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And you can send us an email with that review and just say, hey, I want to be like Philip. And we're going to be doing the same books next month. And I'm going to have my same Zoe and maybe we'll check in with her about how Barbie was. Well, Philip and Zoe, thank you so much for supporting the show, as always. You're welcome. A happy August to all of you. We've got an excellent lineup this month that supports our continuous theme of family wealth and happiness. Next Monday, August 14th, I am proud to host Harvard researcher Dr. Robert Waldinger, who shares the results of the longest ever recorded study on happiness. The Monday after that, August 21st, we are talking debt freedom strategies, and then we're going to be learning from Megan Jones from Atlanta. She's going to be sharing how she paid off $90,000 of debt by partnering with her husband as they were just starting their family. And then the final Monday of August, we've got financial educator Jesse Kramer, who's going to share the financial pros and cons of marriage. And then we discuss with a YouTube creator who goes by the name of Danny J about how we can make money on YouTube and work from anywhere. It's going to be another awesome month. Actually, U.S. News and World Report, everybody, just named the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast a top 10 personal finance podcast to listen to in 2023. So thank you for making that possible. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from John Bogle. Time is your friend. Impulse is your enemy. Let time and compound interest do the heavy lifting for you, everybody. Carpe diem. 